What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So this episode will be about the NFL. I'm going to preview this season, give my predictions of who I think is going to win, MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Going to give all my predictions for those. I do have another episode coming out, hopefully at some point tomorrow, or today, technically, since I'm recording this at night, with division predictions for each division, where I think each team will finish in each division. I have an episode coming out with the sports guru on that, so hopefully that will be out tomorrow. So this episode, I'm going to give my predictions for MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year. And then I'm also going to preview this season for the Giants. So to start off, we'll start off with MVP. Last year, Tom Brady could have been the MVP. Ended up falling short of that to Aaron Rodgers, who is now the reigning two-time MVP. But if you look at what Brady did last year, 5,316 passing yards and 43 passing touchdowns, both of them number one in the NFL, also led the NFL in completions and pass attempts, and also had the best yards per game average in the NFL, 312.7 yards per game. He finished second in MVP. But I think he has a good chance yet again this year to be the MVP. To have a chance at the MVP, I should say, since he didn't win last year. 43 touchdowns last year, 40 in 2020, with 4,633 passing yards. He's had two straight seasons of 40-plus passing touchdowns. And it's honestly ridiculous if you look at it because he's 43 and 44 years old in each of the last two seasons. Now heading into this year, 45 years old. Obviously, year 23 isn't going to be easy whatsoever, but he's playing the best brand of football he's ever played. Like last year, he was unreal. He was locked in. 43 touchdowns, 12 picks, 5,316 passing yards to go along with a 102.1 passer rating, which is elite. And also had a 102.2 passer rating in 2020. So his time with the Bucks has been very good. Obviously, he does not have an MVP to show for it with Aaron Rodgers winning each of the last two. But I think Brady gets the MVP this year. Runner-up, I was torn between... Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. Josh Allen last night had a very good game, which I'm going to break down the Bills-Rams game now for a second, I guess, since I just thought of it. Josh Allen, 26-31 of 31 passing with 297 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and two picks. Also had 10 carries for 56 yards and a rushing touchdown, so four total touchdowns with over 350 yards combined between rushing and passing. Stephon Diggs was a lead out there. Eight catches, 122 receiving yards, and a touchdown. As for the Rams, things just did not go well for that team. Matt Stafford, 29 for 41 with 240 passing yards, one touchdown, three picks. One of the picks might not have been his fault. I know one of Josh Allen's picks definitely wasn't his fault, but the other one was not a great pass whatsoever. But very tough game for Stafford in that offense. Cooper Cup did shine, though, as he always does. 13 catches, 128 yards, and a touchdown. And the interesting thing was Cam Akers only had three carries and had zero yards on those three carries and no receptions either. Daryl Henderson was that number one back last night for that team. Five catches, 26 yards, and then added 13 carries of 47 yards on the ground. It's just nuts that people were taking Cam Akers in the second, third, fourth rounds of fantasy, third and fourth round typically, and he ends up not even getting a yard last night. Three carries for zero yards. Three carries for zero yards. But I think the biggest story of the game was Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, who had a tough Super Bowl, had a passer rating allowed, a 158.3 passer rating allowed, which is a perfect passer rating. Targeted seven times, allowing six catches for 124 yards and two touchdowns. 
Six catches for 124 yards and two touchdowns allowed on seven targets. Jalen Ramsey got ripped up last night. Absolutely ripped up. The Bills just dominated in every facet of the game. If you look at what they did on defense, they had seven sacks. The Bills' defense had seven sacks. They were just all over the place, including two from Von Miller, one and a half from Jordan Phillips, one from Carlos Basham, and then also another sack from Gregory Russo. So that's a very, very, very dangerous defensive line. And you look at it, their secondary played very well too. Dane Jackson was a starting corner, had a pick. And then also Jordan Poya also had an interception in Carlos Basham. Basham had a great game. A pick and a sack with two tackles as well. And he's was typically a rotational pass rusher. He was not in there that much. As for the pass rush of the Rams, they only had two sacks on the night. One of them coming from Bobby Wagner, who they got from the Seattle Seahawks after he was released by them. He had five tackles and a sack in his debut as an L.A. Ram. And then Aaron Donald had two tackles, and one of those being a sack. So not surprised to see him continue to dominate. But very tough game for that Rams team. If you look at it, the Bills just dominated. 413 total yards for the Bills to the Rams, 243 total yards. Turnovers. There was just a ton in the game. Two fumbles lost and two interceptions thrown by the Bills. So four turnovers by the Bills. And then three interceptions thrown by the Rams. Seven total turnovers between the two teams. The Bills still win the game 31-10. to No surprise there as everyone has the Bills being a one or two or third best team in the NFL this year, depending on where you see them rank. But you'll hear my predictions tomorrow, hopefully in my episode with Mike Hurley. Anyways, the MVP, I got Tom Brady. I know we got a little sidetracked there. My runner-up, I was torn between Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. I think Burrow and Allen both have great years. I think Brady is the best of the three. And then my dark horse, I think Derek Carr has a chance. Devontae Adams has the ability to make Derek Carr one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. He played a huge role in Rodgers winning two straight MVPs. And if you look at what Adams did in 2021, he was still great. 123 receptions, 1,553 yards, and 11 touchdowns. And then in 2020, 115 receptions, 1,374 yards, and 18 touchdowns. He's been really, really good the last two years. Best receiver in the NFL, in my eyes, the last two years. No Cooper Cups right there, too. So it's definitely not easy to say that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL each of the last two years. But if I was starting a team and I had to pick between Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup, very tough pick, but I'm going with Devontae Adams. I'm going Devontae Adams. As I said, allowed Aaron Rodgers to be a two-time MVP each of the last two seasons. He's a reigning two-time MVP. And Devontae Adams played a huge role in Aaron Rodgers winning each of the last two years. So I think Derek Carr is a very good year. He's going to year nine now in the NFL. He played 17 games last year, 4,804 passing yards, 23 touchdowns and 14 picks, and a 68.4% completion percentage, three-time Pro Bowler, and now adding Devontae Adams with an offense that already has Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Josh Jacobs. It's going to be a very dangerous offense for that Raiders team. I think Derek has a very good year, and I think he is an MVP dark horse. I would not be surprised if he's in the top three to five. I think he's going to have a very, very good year. My offensive player of the year is Jamar Chase, Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver, now going into his second year in the NFL. My runner-up, Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. And I think a dark horse for the offensive player of the year award is Matt Ryan. Has one of the best offensive lines in the league after having zero offensive line help in Atlanta these past few years. Has an elite offensive-minded head coach in Frank Reich, who had 27 touchdowns and 7 interceptions last year out of Carson Wentz. Frank Reich got 27 touchdowns to 7 picks out of Carson Wentz last year. Add in 
Matt Ryan now has the best running back in football in Jonathan Taylor and then also a promising wide receiver one in Michael Pittman. So he has a lot of help around him now that he did not have in Atlanta, including one of the best offensive lines, a great offensive-minded head coach, a head coach who got 27 touchdowns out of Carson Wentz last year, and then also Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in the NFL, and a promising wide receiver, Michael Pittman. So I'm very excited to see what... Matt Ryan has in store this year for the Indianapolis Colts. I think it's big things. I'm excited to see him do big things for the Colts. And if you look at it, last year he was good. Matt Ryan, 20 touchdowns and 12 picks last year. Had 3,968 passing yards with a 90.4 passer rating last year. He actually led the NFL in completions in 2019 and 2020. He was the second best deep passer in the NFL in 2021. And to qualify, that's on throws 20-plus yards downfield, as I said. Matt Ryan was the second-best deep pass in the NFL on throws 20-plus yards downfield last year. On deep pass attempts, he was 20 for 42 with 718 passing yards, three touchdowns to one pick, and a 107.7 passer rating. He had a 47.6% completion percentage on passes 20-plus yards downfield last year, and then also had a passing score on deep attempts of a 99. So very impressive season there for Matt Ryan, as you can tell. Had a good season last year with what he had around him. Now he has a lot more help around him. And if you look at a couple other next-gen stats for Matt Ryan's passes on 20-plus yards downfield last year, he had a 29.9% expected completion percentage on those passes and actually had a 47.6% completion percentage on those passes 20-plus yards downfield. So his expected completion percentage was 29.9%. He actually had a 47.6% completion percentage on passes downfield last year, 20-plus yards. And that's actually 17.8% above the expectation. So very impressive year for Matt Ryan. And I'm excited to see him do big things for the Colts this year. So my pick for Offensive Player of the Year, I know I just got a little sidetracked there talking about Matt Ryan is Jamar Chase, had a great rookie year last year with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, 17 games played, had 81 catches for 1,455 yards, 13 touchdowns, including an 85.6 yards per game average, also added in seven rushes for 21 yards, he gets a little bit involved on end arounds every now and then, he was offensive rookie of the year last year in the NFL, and also was a pro bowler in 2021, so very impressive year last year for Jamar Chase. He is my pick for offensive player of the year. I think he has an unreal year. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to 1,600 yards and 15 to 16 touchdowns. I think he is my pick right now for offensive player of the year. As a defensive player of the year, very tough here. I'm going to go Nick Boza of the San Francisco 49ers. Boza, coming off a torn ACL from 2020, had an unreal 2021 season. 52 combined tackles with 15 and a half sacks last year. Entering the final year of his contract, he is primed for an unreal season, in my opinion. I think he's going to break out and have an even better year than he did last year, especially knowing this is a make-or-break year. He's going to obviously get paid, but I think if he has an unreal season, he's going to get paid even more. If he has two straight, consistent, great seasons, I think he will get paid a ton. He is my pick for Defense Player of the Year. A dark horse, or at least some that I see being you know, maybe the second, third, or fourth, is Max Crosby. Had 101 quarterback pressures last year, which was good enough for third most in a single season since the 2006 season. Last year, had 101 quarterback pressures, which, as I said, was third most in a single season since 2006. Very impressive. He had eight sacks last year with 56 combined tackles. I don't see him being a favorite 
Frit definitely not being in the top three, probably. I know I said I, I could see him second or third. I see him as a dark horse being around fifth, sixth, or seventh listed, but I think he has a chance. I think he has a very good year if he maybe gets 11 sacks and keeps up the quarterback pressures. Who knows? But as I said, I think Nick Boza wins Defensive Player of the Year. I'm just a big fan of Max Crosby. Six of the last 10 Defensive Player of the Year award winners have been interior defensive linemen. So clearly interior defensive linemen are valued heavily in the Defensive Player of the Year voting. For Offensive Rookie of the Year, this is a tough pick. I'm going Sky Moore of the Kansas City Chiefs. Jamar Chase won it last year. First wide receiver to win it since Odell Beckham Jr. in 2014 when he did it with the Giants. I see Moore taking over as a star in the Kansas City offense without Tyreek Hill. I think Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster can each make up a combined maybe 80 to 85% of the production that Tyreek Hill had last year. Moore's very shifty, very explosive. Played at Western Michigan, so as you know, I'm a big Mac football fan, Mid-American Conference football fan, and he was a star there for Western Michigan. So I will obviously be rooting for him because he's a Mac football player, but I think he has a very good year. I think one guy to watch out for is Wondell Robinson of the New York Giants. I couldn't have the Giants winning every award. I do have the Giants winning a couple in just a second. So I could not have the Giants winning every award, so I ended up going with Sky Moore over Wondell Robinson. Although Wondell Robinson is a guy to keep your eye on, I think he has a very good chance of being up there in the Offensive Rookie of the Year voting. I think he's going to have a great year. And as I said, Jamal Chase was the first receiver to win it since 2014 when Odell won it, and Jamal Chase won it last year. So Offensive Rookie of the Year has not been a wide receiver often, but I think there's a chance this year either Sky Moore or Wondell Robinson brings it home. For Defensive Rookie of the Year, I end up going with Kayvon Thibodeau of the New York Giants. There's been a pass rusher in each of the last three seasons that's won it. Nick Boza, Chase Young, Micah Parsons. I'm going with Kayvon Thibodeau. I think he's a great year. I think he's going to transform this Giants defense, even though he will be out realistically for week one, along with Aziz Ojolari. My runner-up is Sauce Gardner, fourth overall pick. To the New York Jets this past year out of Cincinnati, a cornerback. I think he has a very good year. I have him as my runner-up to Kayvon Thibodeau as Defensive Rookie of the Year. As a comeback player of the year, I was honestly in between two Giants here. And I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley, with all the noise that's been around him over the last year, he's not the back he once was. He shouldn't have been the second pick in the draft. He's washed up. He's in a contract year. He's in a make-or-break year. Let this guy go. Don't pay him. He's toast. I think Saquon Barkley hears all this noise. I think he's ignoring it. And I think Saquon Barkley has an unreal season. Saquon Barkley is my comeback player of the year. Winner. I think I was between him and Daniel Jones because I'm big fans of both. I think both of them have a lot of pressure on them. And I want them both to succeed so much that at the end of the day, I know I'm a Giants fan. But I want Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley to succeed more than I want the Giants to win to a degree sometimes when I think about it. Because of how much pressure they have on them when it's not their fault that we're losing games. Especially considering I love both picks. Daniel Jones at 6 in 2019 and Saquon Barkley at 2 in 2018. I would take both of those picks all over again. It's just you have to help them out and give them the offensive line support that they've needed. And then also give them an offensive-minded head coach or an offensive coordinator and that's just what the Giants have not given them the last two years and obviously Saquon has not had good luck with injuries and neither has Daniel Jones but I think this year is the year for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley 
is my comeback player of the year winner. I was between Daniel Jones, Saquon, since quarterbacks have been the winner each of the last four years. Andrew Luck, Ryan Tannehill, Alex Smith, and Joe Burrow. And 10 of the last 14 winners for comeback player of the year have been quarterbacks. So I was between a quarterback, Daniel Jones, and Saquon Barkley. But I think Saquon Barkley is my pick to win comeback player of the year. Last up is coach of the year. I think it's Frank Reich. I think he has an excellent year this year for the Colts. As I said, he got 27 touchdowns and seven picks last year out of a guy in constant wins that everyone was so down on. And even now, no one's high on him. But leaving Philadelphia, nobody thought constant wins was going to throw 27 touchdowns and seven picks. And that's what Frank Wright got out of him last year. So I think with Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, I think they have a very good year. And obviously, you have Shaquille Leonard also on the defense. I think they have a very good year, Indianapolis. I think Frank Reich is my pick for Coach of the Year. So now I'm going to preview the Giants' season, which obviously having injuries before the season even starts is not something we're not used to as Giants fans. We're very used to injuries, whether it's week one, preseason, week eight, and big moments. The Giants continue to suffer injuries every single year. So it's no surprise that Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, two of our Best pass rushes. I know obviously Landon Williams is good too, but two very young pass rushes and both of those guys, very promising players, both seem to be doubtful for Sunday's game against Tennessee. And without those two guys, I think the Giants may struggle against Tennessee. I've been in between the Giants winning and losing close games. Right now, if I had to pick, I think the Giants lose a very close game to Tennessee this weekend. So I'm going to give you my predictions for their schedule. I'll start off with week one against the Tennessee Titans at Tennessee. I think the Giants lose a very close game here. I think the Giants win week two versus the Carolina Panthers at home. Week three, home versus Dallas, Monday Night Football. The Giants have struggled on nationally televised games recently in the last few years and then also have been struggling against Dallas in the Dak Prescott era. But once again, I just don't think the Giants will beat Dallas in this game week three, although I would love for them to beat Dallas week three in the biggest moment in Monday Night Football. Our only nationally televised game, I believe, besides the Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Giants losing Week 3 to the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. I have the Giants winning Week 4 versus the Chicago Bears at home. Week 5 versus the Green Bay Packers in London. I have the Giants losing. Week 6 versus the Baltimore Ravens at home. I have the Giants losing that game. Week 7 at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have the Giants winning. Week 8 at the Seattle Seahawks. I have the Giants winning that game. Week 9, the Giants are on a bye week. Week 10, the Giants playing the Houston Texans at home. I have the Giants winning that game. Week 11 versus the Detroit Lions. The Giants at home. I have the Giants winning that game. Week 12 at the Dallas Cowboys. I have the Giants losing that game. Week 13 versus the Washington Commanders at home. I have the Giants winning that game. Week 14 versus the Philadelphia Eagles at home. I have the Giants winning that game. Week 15 versus the Washington Commanders yet again at Washington this time. I have the Giants winning that game. And then the Giants have a tough last three games. The Minnesota Vikings, Indianapolis Colts, and Philadelphia Eagles. They're at Minnesota, home versus Indianapolis, and then at Philadelphia. I have the Giants losing at Minnesota losing at home versus the Colts, and then losing Week 18 at Philadelphia. All in all, I have the Giants going 9-8. and Because why not? If they're my team, why would I not pick them to go 9-8? and I should be high on them since they're my team. Always support the Giants, no matter if they're in a tough season or in a good season. Whether it's Week 1 and they're 0-0, or it's Week 18 and they're 0-16 playing their 17th game, I will always watch the Giants and take every game like it's a Super Bowl. As you guys know from my preseason recaps, I take every game serious. 
You only get 17 games every year in the regular season and three preseason games. That's 20 games guaranteed every year. That's why I cherish every single Giants game and every single win, whether it's regular season, postseason, or preseason. Every single win, every single Giants game matters to me, so why not be high on them? So my prediction is 9-8 and eight for the Giants this year. My floor, I think they the lowest they go is 6-11. and 11. I think the Giants get at least six wins, especially considering the middle of their schedule. Week 7 through Week 11, playing at Jacksonville, at Seattle, home versus Houston, and home versus the Lions. The Giants got to go at least 3-1 and one over that stretch, at least 3-1. and one. And then also add in two games against Washington, also playing against the Bears and Carolina. The Giants have a very easy schedule, so I think the lowest they go is 6-11. and 11. I think the ceiling is 10-7. and seven. And then my realistic prediction is 8-9, and 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. I think the Giants are right on the border of those two. 8-9, eight 9-8, nine, nine eight, 8 wins, 9 losses, or 9 wins, 8 losses. My prediction is 9-8, nine, eight, 9 wins, 8 losses, as I said, because why not? As for my predictions about what I think Daniel Jones does this year for the Giants, I know it's a make-or-break year for him. I know he's a free agent at the end of this year. I know the Giants did not pick up his fifth-year option. I know he's been struggling the last few years with injuries. I know about the turnover issues, which he's gotten better with. I think Daniel Jones sees all of this and listens to all of this, and I don't think anyone wants to win more than Daniel Jones. He's at the facility first every single day. He's last out of the facility every single day, whether it's off-season or or regular season, or during training camp, or OTAs, Daniel Jones is the first one in the building, and the last one out. First one in the building every single morning, bright and early, and the last one out. And factor in, as a rookie, he had one tough game against the Vikings when he got home from the flight. He said to Benny Fowler, who was a Giants receiver at the time, do you want to go work and get some reps in? Daniel Jones wants to win more than anyone. That's why I think he's going to have a great season this year, especially considering Brian Dable is the Giants' head coach, an offensive-minded head coach that the Giants have needed desperately over the last few years. So now I'm going to give my predictions for Daniel Jones. I think he throws for 4,624 passing yards. Call me crazy. No one knows what's going to happen this season. So as I said, these are just predictions. You have to have some hot takes saying everything's going to be the Bucks and the Bills or the Bills in the Super Bowl. I know everyone has them and I respect that, but you got to have some hot takes in the mix too. You got to have some hot takes. So 4,624 passing yards for Daniel Jones this year for a 272 yard per game average with a 7.5 yards per attempt average, a 63% completion percentage, 29 passing touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and 89.5 passer rating, 714 rushing yards on 83 attempts, with 42 rushing yards per game on average, with 8.6 rush yards per attempt, and 4.88 rush attempts per game. I have him at six rushing touchdowns this year with six fumbles. So all in all, I got Daniel Jones throwing and pass in rushing, so a combined passing and rushing, 5,388 total yards, with 4,624 of those being passing, and 714 of those being rushing. With 35 touchdowns between 29 passing and 6 rushing touchdowns and 19 total turnovers with 13 of those being picks and 6 fumbles. And one thing I've been meaning to do, which I haven't done, is compare what Daniel Jones did in his first year as a rookie to what Josh Allen did in his first year. And I broke down a lot of these stats before, and I've been meaning to do this for one. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is Josh Allen by any means. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is Josh Allen. But what Josh Allen had as his offensive coordinator the last few years was Brian Dable. What Daniel Jones now as his head coach is Brian Dable. So I think Daniel Jones will be better this year, just like Josh Allen was better with Dable. 
So in Josh Allen's first two seasons, in 2018-2019, in 28 games played, he had 440 completions and 781 attempts with a 56.34% completion percentage, 30 passing touchdowns in those 28 games with 21 interceptions, 5,163 passing yards, a 78.2 passer rating, and 22 fumbles with six of those being lost. It took him 23 games to reach Daniel Jones's 24 passing touchdowns mark. He did in 12 games as a rookie. It took, which I'll repeat it, it took Josh Allen 23 games to reach Daniel Jones's 24 passing touchdown mark that he had in just 12 games as a rookie. It took him 11 more games to reach 24 touchdowns than it did Daniel Jones. In 23 games, for Josh Allen, his first 23 games, 375 completions and 662 attempts with a 56.65% completion percentage, 25 passing touchdowns to 20 picks, 4,434 passing yards, and 19 fumbles with five of those being lost. A 17-game average from Josh Allen's first 23 games, 18 touchdowns to 15 picks, 3,222 passing yards, 14 fumbles with four of those being lost. Per game average, 192 passing yards per game, 192.8 to be exact, with 1.1 touchdowns per game, with 0.9 interceptions per game, and 0.8 fumbles per game. His first 12 games, he had a 52.81% completion percentage with 10 touchdowns to 12 picks, 2,074 passing yards, 8 rushing touchdowns, 8 fumbles, 2 of those being lost, and a 67.9 passer rating. Per game average in his first 12 games, 172.8 passing yards with 0.8 touchdowns to 1 interception per game and 0.7 fumbles per game. So he had a turnover issue and he did not have great accuracy in his first 12 games, 23 games, or first 28 games. His first two seasons, he struggled. He struggled with interceptions, accuracy, not many passing yards per game. His first 12 games, a 17-game average for a season, he would have had 2,938 passing yards with 14 touchdowns to 17 interceptions with 11 fumbles and three of those fumbles being lost. Now for Daniel Jones. As a rookie in 2019, he had a 61.9% completion percentage with 3,027 passing yards, 24 touchdowns to 12 picks, and an 87.7 passer rating. As a rookie in just 12 games, Daniel Jones had the same amount of touchdown passes as Brady had in four less games. Brady had 24 touchdowns in 16 games in 2019. Daniel Jones had 24 touchdowns in 12 games. And these are, these are numbers that no one else are going to seek out. It's only me because I'm the, I'm the biggest Daniel Jones supporter, so I'm looking for ways to defend him since I know everyone loves hating on him. I know Daniel Jones is a very easy target. Kick him while he's down. I know the national media, every time he's a bad throw, loves leaving it out there on social media for two weeks and talk about an ESPN for a week. But let's talk about some of the bad throws last night. Matt Stafford had a couple bad interceptions. Josh Allen had one bad throw. Those are things that won't be talked about, though, on ESPN for a week like Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones makes a bad play, and it stays on mainstream media for weeks. Months, a year after he fell on that 80-plus yard rush against the Eagles. It stays on national media and, as I said, stays on social media for months, for years, every time he has a bad play. But these are numbers I said. Daniel Jones had 24 touchdowns in 12 games in 2019. Brady had 24 touchdowns in 16 games. Daniel Jones had the same amount of passing touchdowns in four less games played.
Four less games played, Daniel Jones had the same amount of passing touchdowns. So very impressive. Brady had a 4.2% sack rate in 2019. Daniel Jones had a 7.6% sack rate in 2019. Daniel Jones did it with zero offensive line. And I know you can say, oh, Brady gets a ball all quick. Regardless, Brady had a better offensive line and a way lower sack rate than Daniel Jones did in 2019. For comparison, Brady had 24 touchdowns in 16 games. Josh Allen in 2019 had 20 touchdowns in 16 games, meaning Daniel Jones had four more touchdowns in 2019 than Josh Allen did in four less games played. Aaron Rodgers had 26 touchdowns in 16 games played in 2019. That means he had two more touchdowns than Daniel Jones did in four less games played. Mahomes had 26 touchdowns in 14 games played in 2019. That means he had two more passing touchdowns in two more games played than Daniel Jones. It's just crazy how good Daniel Jones was as a rookie. But everyone only talked about the fumbles. But no one's going to come into the league coming out of Duke and with all the pressure, especially being the sixth overall pick, people wrote him off right away. No one's going to come in and be spotless out there and not have an issue. No one's going to go out there and be unreal and not have any issues. But Daniel Jones was unreal as a rookie. As I said, 24 touchdowns in 12 games. But no one's going to be spotless and not have any flaws. And obviously the fumbles were an issue, but Daniel Jones improved upon that. And if you look at his passer rating, Daniel Jones in 2019 as a rookie, he had an 87.7 passer rating, which was only .3 off of Tom Brady's 88 passer rating in 2019. And Daniel Jones had a better passer rating than Josh Allen in 2019. Josh Allen had an 85.3 passer rating. Kyle Murray had an 87.4 passer rating in 2019. So Daniel Jones had a better passer rating than Josh Allen and Kyle Murray and was .3 off of Brady in passer rating in 2019 as a rookie. He averaged 252.25 yards per game with two touchdowns per game and one interception per game as a rookie. His rookie year in 2019, his 17-game rate would have been 4,288 passing yards with 34 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Keep in mind, at the time of 2019, he had an offensive-minded head coach in Pat Shermer that allowed him to play freely and put the ball downfield. And Daniel Jones is a great deep ball passer, which I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. But Daniel Jones was allowed just to play freely in 2019. And now he's Brian Dable, who helped Josh Allen become the quarterback he is today. And I'm not saying Daniel Jones is Josh Allen. I'll say that again. Daniel Jones, I'm not saying it's Josh Allen. But Josh Allen got a lot better with Brian Dable, and I think Daniel Jones will be the same. Daniel Jones had Joe Judge, a guy that's a special teams coordinator for years and was a wide receivers coach of the Patriots, now was an offensive assistant, but had him as, as his head coach for the last two seasons. And Joe Judge was a big reason Daniel Jones regressed over the last two years. And if you look at it, Daniel Jones, a rookie in 2019, had Pat Shermer, an offensive-minded head coach, that allowed him to play freely. And now Daniel Jones has Brian Dable to help him play freely. And if you look at it, my prediction, as I said, was Daniel Jones throwing 29 touchdowns with six rushing touchdowns and 4,624 passing yards with 13 interceptions. His 17-game rate in 2019 would have been 4,288 passing yards to 34 passing touchdowns to 17 picks. So it's not that far off. If Daniel Jones can just put things together, put everything together, and if you look at it, he's Mike Kafka, who is the quarterback's coach with Patrick Mahomes for the last few years, now as his offensive coordinator, has Brian Dable as now his head coach, and has a better offensive line with Evan Neal, Mark Lewinsky, and Andrew Thomas. And John Feliciano. The Giants have a better offensive line than Daniel Jones has had each of the last three years. Now this is Daniel Jones' fourth year. He's a better offensive line than he had in any of his previous three seasons. 
with a lot more help around him. And if you look at it, he's heading into his fourth year in the NFL, going on to his third head coach, and his fourth offensive coordinator, three full seasons in the NFL. Three seasons in the NFL, now with his third head coach and fourth offensive coordinator. Not many people, if any, would have succeeded in Daniel Jones' position in New York with Joe Judge as their head coach, with that Giants offensive line, with all the injuries to all their wide receivers and their injuries to Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Toney last year and Kenny Galladay not playing up to speed. With all the injuries Daniel Jones had to deal with the last few years, not many quarterbacks would have succeeded, if any. Out of any quarterbacks would have succeeded in Daniel Jones' position. And that's including if they were selected sixth overall when most people thought they shouldn't have been a sixth overall pick. Adding all that pressure, Daniel Jones, for what he's been playing with, you have to give him credit. He's still fighting, giving it his all, and I think he has a great year this year. I have not given up on Daniel Jones. I've not given up. I will not give up, and I'm not giving up on him. I believe in Daniel Jones this year, and I think he has a great year. I think he has a great year. And what went wrong for Daniel Jones in 2020 after a great rookie year, you might ask? Well, he lost Pat Shermer, who was fired after two years as head coach, only one year with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones was great in 2019. Ends up having Joe Judge as his head coach for two years with Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator for one and a half seasons. Freddie Kitchens was the offensive coordinator for Daniel Jones at the end of last season. And the Giants transformed into one of the most conservative offenses in the NFL, especially today's day. There's not many conservative offenses. It's a pass-heavy game. It's all about the offense, scoring points and putting points on the board now of the NFL. So being a conservative offense just does not work in today's NFL. That's what the Giants were in the NFL the last few years. And that's obviously a big reason Daniel Jones' touchdown and yard numbers went down the last few years. Because the Giants had one of the most conservative offenses in the NFL. And obviously, yes, you could say it did cut his turnovers down since it went very conservative. I mean, it did help Daniel Jones cut down some issues. But cutting down the turnovers did the Giants no good since they scored way less points than they did in 2019 when Daniel Jones, the rookie, could just play freely. You would take his turnovers because you have more of a benefit of it with the Giants scoring more points. And the Giants' offense last year with Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm, honestly, Daniel Jones didn't get enough credit for what he had to play with with that offense, especially with that offensive line and everyone hurt. Kadarius Tony hurt, Snowing Shepard hurt, Saquon Barkley hurt, Freddie Kitchens and Jason Garrett as your offensive coordinator with Joe Judge as your head coach. Daniel Jones had no help around him last year, none. No luck and no help. In 2020, Daniel Jones made 14 starts with 11 touchdowns and 10 picks. 2,943 passing yards with a 62.5 completion percentage and an 80.4 passer rating. He had 10 fumbles in 14 games. He had 19 and 12 games as a rookie. Six fumbles lost in 2020 compared to 11 in 2019 as a rookie. But if you look at it, Josh Allen had six fumbles lost in 2020 as well. Daniel Jones had six fumbles lost in 2020. Josh Allen had six fumbles lost in 2022. And Derek Hart led the league in 2020 with eight fumbles lost. So there's a difference in today's NFL, between how quarterbacks are treated, and there's a different way Daniel Jones is viewed as other quarterbacks. Because if Derek Hart led the league in fumbles in 2020 with eight, no one talked about that. And no one talked about Josh Allen being the same amount of fumbles, having the same amount of fumbles as Daniel Jones with six in 2020. Those are things that just go past people. But for me, being a huge Daniel Jones fan, I dug very deep into researching all the stats over the last few years so I could tell you why I think Daniel Jones has a great year this year. And it has to do with 
Josh Allen cutting down his accuracy issues and becoming a more accurate quarterback and starting to become the quarterback he is today with the help of Brian Dable. I think Daniel Jones has a very good year this year, succeeding heavily in that Brian Dable offense. In 2021, Daniel Jones made 11 starts with 10 touchdowns and 7 picks, 2,428 passing yards with 7 fumbles and 3 of those being lost in those 11 starts. He cut his turnovers down heavily, but touchdowns went down because of that, because of the conservative and abysmal Joe Judge offense and Jason Garrett offense. The turnovers went down, but obviously points went down too. You would rather the Giants score more points and Daniel Jones take more risks. With Daniel Jones taking more risks, the Giants just had a better offense. You need to take risks in today's NFL in order to succeed and put points on the board. And the Giants led the entire NFL in games missed because of injuries in 2021. So it wasn't just the Joe Judge and Jason Garrett abysmal conservative offense. You had a horrible offensive line and wide receivers, all of them being hurt. Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney, Saquon Barkley being hurt. Obviously, Kenny Galladay not panning out, not giving any effort. Kenny Galladay was an awful signing. Awful signing. Having Dave Gettleman as your GM and not knowing how to put a team around you. Daniel Jones had no help around him. Zero help. And as I said, not many people would succeed in today's NFL with the situation Daniel Jones had the last few years. Not many people would succeed, if any. Truly, I don't know if anyone would succeed in that offense with what Daniel Jones had around him. So credit to Daniel Jones for giving it his all, especially considering he had no help around him. Zero help. The Giants have had a bottom three offensive line each of the last two years. With Jason Garrett as the play call and Joe Judge as the head coach and Dave Gettleman as the GM and all the injuries on the offense, name a quarterback that would succeed in that system to the degree they're succeeding now. What I mean by that is if you take Tom Brady out of Tampa Bay and put him in that giant system with what Daniel Jones had to deal with the last two years, he would not be putting up the numbers he did with the Tampa Bay Bucks each of the last two years, 40 touchdowns and 43 passing touchdowns. He would not be doing that. He would not lead the league in passing yards. He would not lead the league in completions, and he would not lead the league in passing touchdowns and passing yards like he did last season. Take Aaron Rodgers, reigning two-time MVP. He would not be the MVP of the NFL with that giant system that Daniel Jones has had to deal with each of the last two years. And if you don't agree with me, fine, so be it. But at the end of the day, you're just hating on Daniel Jones when in reality, your favorite quarterback, no matter who it is, would not succeed and put up tremendous numbers in that giant system. No matter who your favorite quarterback is, they would not be the quarterback they are in that giant system. That's just the reality of it. And I've pointed out a million things. The horrible offensive line, bottom three offensive line in each of the last two years, probably the worst in my eyes, but probably bottom three offensive line grading-wise each of the last two years. Horrible injuries to all the receivers. Kenny Galladay not panning out, not giving any effort at all, not caring to even play. Dave Gettleman is the GM, Joe Judge is the head coach, and then Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens as the offensive coordinators. Daniel Jones was set up to fail. Set up to fail. John Merritt was right by saying that. Daniel Jones was set up to fail. But the positive is Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are here to transform this Giants offense. Whereas I said, the Giants had the worst offensive line in each of the last three years, in my opinion. But now they have Mark Lewinsky, Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas, and John Feliciano. Andrew Thomas obviously coming back from an injury-plagued season in 2020, and then 2021 was a little bit better with his injuries, but still banged up a little. Now in 2022, should be healthy. And there are Daniel Jones' stats that don't show up in a stat sheet, and common fans would not know. 
He has the fastest QB run in any game since the 2018 season with a 21.23 mile per hour run. Only the fifth quarterback in the last 25 years with a rush of 80 plus yards. So very impressive. He had the fastest QB run in a game since the 2018 season. And that's including Lamar Jackson, Kyla Murray, quarterbacks that love to run the ball. Daniel Jones has had the fastest QB run since the 2018 season. Compare him to Lamar Jackson. The fastest speed of a Lamar Jackson run in his NFL career came in week six of the 2020 season where he reached 21.01 miles per hour on a 37-yard touchdown run. Daniel Jones had a 21.23 mile per hour run. So beat him by two-tenths of a mile per hour. And if you look at it, Daniel Jones is a deep ball specialist. He loves throwing the ball 30, 40 yards downfield and letting his receivers make plays. And that's something that Joe Judge offense did not let him do. The Jason Garrett and Joe Judge offense and system did not let Daniel Jones play up to his abilities. In 2020, Daniel Jones was the best deep ball passer in the NFL, according to NFL's next-gen stats. Jones had that passer rating of 134.3, which was a league high in 2020 on deep throws 20-plus yards downfield. And his completion percentage on such attempts was 48.7, the fourth-highest mark in the NFL. Had a 48.7 completion percentage on passes 20-plus yards downfield. So very impressive by Daniel Jones. And that was without a number one receiver in 2020 since Darius Slayton was his number one receiver in 2020. And considering Darius Slayton was one of the last guys on the depth chart this year, it just shows Daniel Jones just had no help around him. The Giants are the 31st ranked offensive line in 2020. The 31st ranked offensive line with Darius Slayton as his number one receiver and Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator. And Daniel Jones had the best passer rating on 20 plus yards downfield passes in 2020 with the 134.3 passer rating, number one in the NFL. And Jeremy Portnoy of the game, Haas Online, said that Jones had a 134.3 passer rating when throwing over 20 yards in 2020, higher than any other quarterback. He completed 19 of 39 deep passes with five touchdowns and no interceptions on passes 20 plus yards downfield. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes posted a 128.7 and a 107 passer rating, respectively, on such throws. Daniel Jones had a 134.3 passer rating in 2020 on 20-plus yards downfield passes. What Patrick Mahomes had was a 107 passer rating in 2020 on passes 20-plus yards downfield, and Aaron Rodgers had a 128.7 passer rating on passes 20-plus yards downfield. And Portnoy also pointed out that Daniel Jones had a plus 14.8% completion percentage over expectation. So he completed 14.8% more of his passes than the expectation was on those deep passes. So he completed 14.8% of his passes above the expectation on deep balls in 2020. And as Portnoy points out, his poor offensive line play, and his wide receivers being hurt, Daniel Jones was only expected to complete 33.9% of his deep throws. And what he actually completed was 48.7% of his deep throws. That's including with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett as the head coach and the offensive coordinator and a horrible offensive line, 31st ranked offensive line, and all of the receivers being hurt and Darius Slayton being his number one receiver. Daniel Jones completed 14.8% 
of his passes above the expectation. On deep balls in 2020, Daniel Jones was 19 of 39 with 636 passing yards, five touchdowns and no picks, and a 134.3 passer rating. And Matt Sidak on Giants.com wrote an article in May of 2021 where he pointed out that Daniel Jones in 2019 had a minus 4.9% completion percentage under his expectation, under the expected completion percentage on deep passes. Jones took a massive leap in 2020 with a plus 14.8% completion percentage above expectation, an improvement of 19.7 percentage points, the largest in the entire league, the largest leap in the entire league from the 2019 to 2020 seasons. So if you can't tell already by minute 45 of this recording that I'm a big Daniel Jones supporter, then I guess you didn't listen to the, this whole episode and you haven't listened to any of my other episodes or you don't know me since everyone knows I'm the biggest Daniel Jones supporter. And even if I'm the only Daniel Jones supporter in the world, that's fine. I'll be fine with that because I know Daniel Jones is a quarterback you can win with and I am fine with saying that. I am fine with saying that. I am fine with putting that on air. I will stand by Daniel Jones no matter what. And I still think if the Giants were to get rid of him after this year, I think he could be a Jim Plunkett type of quarterback, which was a Patriots quarterback in the past where the Patriots fans ran him out of town. He ends up leaving the Patriots, going to the Raiders, and winning two Super Bowls. So if Daniel Jones were to leave the Giants and win Super Bowls, I'd be more than happy for him. More than happy since I am the biggest Daniel Jones supporter. And even if I'm the only, I'm fine with that. Anyways, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. As always, I appreciate it. It means a ton to me. I'll be back on hopefully tomorrow at some point to talk about the NFL and give my predictions for every division and where I think every team will fall, hopefully with the sports guru, Mike Hurley. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.